0: Welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. This week we feature Percy Crawford and his weekly television broadcast, Youth on the March. Percy's first experience in radio to reach lost souls came in 1925 when he was a student at Biola, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. Biola had an extremely powerful radio station, KTBL, perhaps the first all-religious radio station in the world. Percy got up to the microphone and preached to a large audience. He understood the power of radio to get his message across to those who needed Jesus in their lives. Today's three sermons, with a little help from his family, are taken right from 1950 Youth on the March broadcasts.
1: We're so glad to have had you folks uh, with us here on this program this evening, uh, representing the King's College and uh, just giving you a little view of it. And tonight I want to talk to you there by your uh, television set just for a few moments about a passage of scripture found over in Proverbs 4.7. In fact, our boys and I were reading this passage today, Proverbs 4.7, where it says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. In James 1.5, God tells us, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given unto him. And tonight I was thinking about you. Sometimes we preachers, you know, begin to uh, talk about uh, superfluous things and high-sounding words that people can hardly follow us. I heard of a preacher a while back who got up and started to preach and he said, uh, uh, religion is a projection in the roaring loom of time of a concentration of a unified complex of psychical values and the people didn't know when to say amen. Well, that's all right if you go in for that kind of a thing, but we feel that uh, if we have something to say, we should say it. We should make it as practical as we can so that you will understand exactly what we're talking about. And that's what the Bible does and tonight I, I i was thinking of the word of god and and just what you could get from the book god is reasonable he said come now let us reason together saith the lord though your sins be as scarlet they shall be white as snow he wants to reason with us. and i was wondering in my own mind just what it was that made me a christian why am i tonight standing for the bible and for jesus christ and i put down in my notes first of all because the things of the world did not satisfy me. That's one reason that I became a Christian and took my stand for Jesus Christ. You can go out tonight and try and uh, drink of the dregs of sin and enjoy yourself and spend your money, as you think, on things, and you wake up dissatisfied, for God says, there's no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And that was one reason that I became a Christian, was owing to the fact that the things out there did not satisfy me. And then again, because I was conscious of a power of sin in my life, which I could not overcome. When I realized that I was powerless in myself to break the fetters of sin that bound me, then I found that the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, could do just that thing. And that's the second reason why I became a Christian. Because I realized I was fighting against untold odds and was always being overcome. But when Christ comes in, he gives you power. He he breaks the power of canceled sin and sets the prisoner free. And then again, because I found in the Bible the only satisfactory solution to this problem. The Bible gives the best solution to the world problems. You want to know about the Antichrist? You want to know about the atomic bomb? You want to know what's ahead, whether the world will be destroyed by fire or what's going to happen to the world? The Bible has the answer. There's the secret. It's to to think God's thoughts after and give you the best solution to all of these problems. People today are trying to guess. They're trying to say that evolution is an established fact and it's pure theory. They're guessing about how man came into the old world, and they won't accept what God says, that God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. But in the Bible, you find the best satisfactory mental, intellectual answers to all of these problems. And then again, because I found on investigation that the Bible was in truth the word of God as it claims. Thus saith the Lord. The influence of the book when you read the Bible, it proves to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is the word of God. The fact that it's the bestseller today. No book sells better than the Bible. The bestseller in all the world. Then again, the unity of the book. We have 66 books here, small books, in which God has spoken to us through different avenues, covering a period of 1,500 years, some 35 different men that God used. And yet when these books are brought together, they dovetail. And that's the unity of the book. Proves to me beyond a shadow of doubt, it is God's book. And then if man wrote this book and only man, man would write a better one. But he hasn't. So we have the Bible, and we trust. And our nation was founded upon this book, the Bible. We stand for it unflinchingly. And then again, because the Bible presented sin as it really was. The Bible doesn't uh, uh, cover up sin. The Bible says the soul that sins it shall die. God says the wicked shall be turned into hell. And you tonight, as you look into my face, listen to me. You tonight, before a holy God, your life has been sin-stained and black and marred with sin, and you know you have no way out. You can try from tonight on and do better and yet into your life has come this stain that has brushed it and there's no ultimately no hope for you at all unless you come God's way. And before the, over this country tonight there are men and women conscious of the fact that their lives are black and stained with sin. I've got good news for you that the Bible offers you something that's real by way of forgiveness of sins and the Bible answer is the best answer. And then again, because it offered me a remarkable remedy for sin. It gives to you something that will erase sin. God says the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses you from all sin. And the worst man, I care not if you're a gangster, if you're the lowest of the low, or drinking of the drags of sin tonight, or some outcast woman, or some low-down man. Listen to me. The Lord Jesus, God tells us, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And the Bible offers you forgiveness as clean and white and pure as a lily. That's yours. And then... Because it offered me lasting joy. The reason I became a Christian was that I found no joy out in the world. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. And my friend, if I could just depict to you and paint to you the wonders of the joy that you're missing because you haven't Jesus Christ, you'd come to him. Like the mother, when the child picked up a a sharp pair of scissors, a little baby, she was frantic, and and she didn't know what to do, and and, uh, she rolled a great big orange in front of the baby, and the baby dropped the scissors and grabbed for the orange. That's right. And one day I saw the tinsel of the world, and the Lord Jesus passed by, and I reached out for him. That's what we want you to do there tonight by your television set. In faith, trust him, and he'll bless
0: you. We now continue with the second sermon.
1: You folks have been swell in looking in on us tonight, and we're so glad to have had you. And, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be the preacher on this program, and you don't mind it tonight if I just talk to you instead of preach, do you? Just uh, stay right there now. Because, you know, I used to go to church and sit there sometimes, not many thousands of years ago either, and I used to hear some of these preachers get up there and preach at me, and I didn't particularly like it so much. So I'm not going to preach at you. I just want to talk to you. And I want to leave one passage of Scripture. Now, I'll read it to you so you won't have to get your Bible out. Second Peter, the third chapter, the ninth verse. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I noticed that passage of scripture this week, and I've been going over it, and I was riding along in the car, I was thinking of it. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. And I saw here Christ's authority. Christ's authority. He said the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. The promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Now some people's promises aren't worth much. Some people say, Oh, I'll promise you this and I'll promise you that, but you can't depend on them. But here, here, the Lord Jesus, his promises are true, and amen. You can depend upon the Bible, the Word of God. Now the proof of that comes from the Scriptures, the Bible. That book that you have there in your home. Every American home should have a Bible, regardless of what kind you have a Bible. You believe it. You trust it. We believe it. We believe the Bible because of the history of the book, the fact that it's been hated and loved more than any other book in all the world, and yet today it's the most popular seller. People love it. They used to burn it. They hated it so, and they tried to crush it out, and yet we still have the Bible. It's today the most popular book. The fulfilled prophecy of the Bible shows to me it's the word of God that God prophesied a way back up, and the thing came and was fulfilled. This seems to me to be proof that God's promises are true, and amen. When he promises a thing, he he carries it out. And then uh, what man makes, man improves, but man has never been able to improve the Bible. We still have the same book, the revelation that God gave to us, and he says these promises are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Now, man, man's promises aren't much. I remember years ago, oh, it must have been what, 15 or 16 years ago, remember when all the banks were closing? We uh, were starting out in the Young People's Church, oh, it was more than that, it was 17, 18 years ago, I guess. And we had some funds, uh, oh, I guess a couple of hundred dollars of the uh, YPCA uh, funds, and so we took it up to the, one of the banks in Philadelphia, and, and uh, we were advised to by our board, and we made a deposit. And before I put it in, I said to the, the people there in the bank, now, are you sure this money will be safe? Oh, yes. this is, this. Oh, this is the bank. Why, this is a grand bank. Look at the... Brought me a sheet of paper with all the figures on it, millions of dollars. I said, that looks good, but are you sure it's all right? Oh, yeah, that's okay. So I put it in about... 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and that night the bank closed permanently. All this you can count, we'll take care of your money. Now, they did it all right. Yeah. Man's promises, man's promises, you can't always depend on them. But bless God, the Bible, the book that your daddy and mama believed in, you can depend upon that. And so this little verse says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. I underline that. He's long, his anxiety. First his authority, the Bible, then his anxiety his long-suffering. Oh, I like that. You know, the Lord, uh, people may kick you around. People may throw you around and they don't appreciate the struggle you go through in life, but the Lord Jesus does. He's touched with all the feeling of our infirmities. And he came to Jerusalem. He looked over Jerusalem and said, O Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets and killest them that are sent unto thee, how oft would I gather thee as a hand that gather a brood under her wings? But ye would not. Uh, and he wept over Jerusalem. He was concerned. And I believe if he came back to our great United States tonight, to New York and Philadelphia and Washington and Chicago and Detroit and Los Angeles and San Francisco, he'd weep. And he'd see men and women casting aside his promises, just like you've done. Cast the Bible aside and you won't come to him as he called you and said, Come unto me, all oh, ye that labor and are heavy laden. You have your little petty excuse and you turn away. And yet I believe as he looks down over the battlements of heaven tonight, even though you've sinned, even though you've gotten away from him, yet he loves you. He loves you, and it's your sin that separates you from your mother's God. God says the wages of sin is death. Jesus said, for if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. And into your life, I'm talking to you there right by your television set, into your life tonight, if you're honest, if you're fair about it, you'll admit that into your life has come the stain of sin. That person beside you doesn't know it. A sin that's blackened and marred your life that if you die tonight, you know you wouldn't go to heaven. Jesus said, if you believe not that I am he, you shall die. Sin. Young fellow got up in church one night and he told how the Lord Jesus, just like the colonel did tonight, got up and said that Christ had become his savior and how he saved him from a life of sin. And and, uh, before he got through, little mother rushed up the aisle and threw her arms around her boy and said, son, you haven't been that bad. You haven't been a bad boy. In the mother's sight, he was a good boy. But God saw him black and sin-stained and deserving of hell just like you tonight. I'm your friend for telling you that. But I got good news. He's not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but his long suffering to us were anxious tonight that you come and answer your mother's prayers. And his attitude is this. He's not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want you to die and go to hell. God didn't make hell for, for you. He made hell for the devil and his angels. And don't you let anybody kid you and tell you there's no hell. If there's no hell, my friends, you might as well throw that Bible out of your church, out of your home, and close up all the churches. We're just, just kidding ourselves. But Jesus said there was a hell, and he said better word for man that were never born than to go there. He said, if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, it is better for thee to enter into life maimed than be cast into the, into the awful hell. That word hell is Gehenna, the real Greek word for the actual hell awful thing to die and go to hell but 1900 years ago the lord jesus laid down his life and he's not willing that you perish he so wanted to save you and get you on the road to heaven that he caused you to look in tonight there on your television set that you might see young men and women not ashamed of the lord jesus christ who found in him a reality You've been seeking and searching, just as I was for years, hungering for reality, just like the colonel. I was sent on there to church, and in my rebellion, I broke and said, you can keep your old dead, dry religion. But a few years ago, the Lord showed me that all was vanity. That out in the world, these guys who think they're tough and smart, hanging around their street corners, foul-mouthed, low-down, think they're hard-boiled, they're a bunch of sissies. Some of these guys, I hear them standing on the street corners saying, Jesus Christ in hell, they're, they're yellow, just like you. But it takes backbone tonight to come out and raise the blood-stained banner of the cross and say to the godless, foul-mouthed bunch, go ahead and laugh if you want. You aren't going to laugh me into hell. That's the thrill today in this 20th century of standing for the Son of God. And we're not asking you to join our church. You don't know what church I belong to. I'm interested in you coming to the place where you trust Him. Get on the bandwagon for heaven. And know the thrill of having your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I repeat. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. He's going to fulfill them someday, those that are not fulfilled yet. But His long suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want you to perish. But that you might come to Him, claim Him, make Him your own, and find the joy of being headed for heaven. Will you do that tonight? Will you start tonight? I hope you will. So now our four sons, Don, Dick, Dan, and Dean, here they are. They're going to sing the new look, and their mommy's over there at the piano. Boys?
2: To get the new look! get the new look from the Bible. Get the new look from the old book. Get the new look from God's word. The inward look, the outward look, the outward look from the old old book. Get the new look from the old book. Get the new. Look from the old
1: That's fine, Don. What do you mean by the new look?
2: Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith.
1: Dick, what do you mean by the upward look?
2: Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked.
1: Dan, what do you mean by the inward look?
2: Colossians 3, 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things
1: on the earth. Deanie boy, what do you mean by the outward look?
2: Dan 4, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields when they are white. Oh, good. The inward love, the upward love, the outward love from the old old book. Get the new love from the old book. Get the new love from God's word.
1: Thank you, boys and girls, for those numbers, and we're so glad that uh, you folks will just give us a few minutes now, will you? Let me talk to you. I don't want to preach at you; I just want to talk to you. But you know, it does us good uh, after the Lord's day, and after the we've rested around on the Lord's day to sort of sit back there and look at television, you know, and think about something that's spiritual and worthwhile. And for that reason, we thought that we should bring to you just a little bit of the Bible. I want to read from uh, the fifth chapter of Mark. Uh, An interesting passage in which it says, And they came over onto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met Jesus out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Jesus had come off the uh, Lake of Galilee. He'd been doing good. He'd been performing miracles. And uh, after he'd come off the lake... Uh, There came this man to meet him, walking toward him, a burly, uh, husky, strong, unkept demoniac, a man that was just about out of his mind and no man could tame him. He lived among the tombs and he was huge and he was unkept and uh, his disciples would shrink from him and even the authorities and the police when they'd come would shrink away from him and it seemed that nobody could help him. And uh, Jesus came along and the man up and walked toward him and he said, what have I to do with thee?" Torment me not before the time. And Jesus said, Come out of him, thou unclean spirit. And I put down, as I read this story, I put down a view that condemned him. It says when this man saw Jesus afar off, uh, he, he, he came to him, and he was condemned. He was so wild and bad and hard and tough that no man could tame him, no man could bind him, the authorities couldn't shackle him, they couldn't get hold of him, he was of terrific strength. And you know, that, that sort of describes a lot of people today. They're so far away from God, and, they, and they're in rebellion against God, and they're stiff-arming God, and, and, and that's just the kind of a person the Lord loves to get a hold of. And he came to this man that everybody else had cast aside and thrown out and said, we can't do a thing with him. Jesus came along and captured this man for heaven. And that thrills me. You know, God's looking today for men and women who are outcasts. He's not looking for good people. He's looking for men and women who are sinners that are condemned before his holiness. And this man was conscious of his own uh, sinful condition before a holy God as he fell before the Lord Jesus Christ, a view that condemned him. And you know, God never saves you. God never reaches into your soul. God never does a thing for you until, first of all, you're convicted of his holiness and your own sinfulness and vileness. That's the first step that you must see. And I'm glad that he can take you and show you that and convict you of it. You know, years ago when we were starting our work here in Philadelphia, I used to go down to Washington Square when I was still in seminary and uh, have some outdoor meetings and preach there from a diving board. I fixed up about 10 or 12 feet up uh, from an old church that was closed up. And I'd preach there night after night and ask those who wanted to come and accept Christ and some hard-boiled, tough men would gather around, dopes and drunks and bandits and some of the the convicts and toughs of the town. And uh, one night I was giving an invitation for a different one to come over and receive the Lord, and some 25, 30, or 40 men were coming across and standing in the gutter, and I was praying the publicans' prayer with them. One big 250-pound man came along, great big husky of air, and he grabbed a hold of me, put his arm around me, and he said, for God's sake, come and pray with me, and he literally carried me along. I went along with him, he, he made me. We were along there, round the porch and go down where it was dark, a little after 9 o'clock, getting dark. And we knelt in the steps, and he was crying like a baby, and I put my arm around him, and his body was shaking, and oh, he was crying. I said, wait, 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 and I said, we can't get anywhere this way. Do you realize that Christ died on the cross? Yes. Do you realize that you're a sinner? When I said that, he lifted his head up. I'll never forget it. And he looked at me, and he said, sinner, what do you think I spent 19 years in the penitentiary for? I had the joy of putting my arm around that filthy bunch of clothes and looking into that great husky man's face and through his tears pointing him to Jesus Christ. Condemned, convicted, realizing that he was black and vile before a holy God and the bars couldn't hold him and the bars couldn't change him. But I want to tell you, when you get a look at the Son of God, he'll do marvels for you. Oh, I know you're not there. I know you're not that type. You're in a lovely home there tonight. Yes, you're seated comfortably, comfortably. You're enjoying life. How about your sin? How about the thing that has blackened and marred your life? How about the thing if you were to die tonight, you couldn't face God because of the blackness and vileness of it? This man could not be bound until he came to Jesus. And then it says, the view that conquered him. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran to him. When he saw, you know, you don't have to see him close. You don't have to be back there 2,000 years ago. When you see that on the cross he died for you and see him and hear him say, come out of him, thou unclean spirit. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, draw all men unto me. That's the purpose of the Lord Jesus, to draw men and women to himself, and he'll do that for you, my friend, regardless of how low down and how black and how vile your life is. He'll conquer you. That's the reason all of these young people come voluntarily and give of their, times, uh, their time that they might sing and that they might play and that they might point you to Jesus Christ, the thing that transformed their lives. We've found peace and joy not through chasing out around into the world, but through trusting in the blessed, resurrected Savior that gives you real peace. That's what you need. Here was a view that conquered him. Here was a view that condemned him. And then I saw a view that contented him. He said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll, I'll go to the end I'll probably want to volunteer as a missionary. Lord, I'll go anywhere. He wanted to be near Jesus. You know what Jesus said? Go home. Go home. That's the hardest place to go. You know, there are a lot of you would be Christians tonight and trust the Lord Jesus. You're afraid of home? You're afraid of your wife? Afraid of your husband? Afraid of your dad? You, you're afraid of your friends around the neighbor, you know, down on that corner? You know he's going to do? <laughs> Did you hear Bill got religion? Yeah. He looked in on youth and market, got converted. And they laugh you into hell. A your trouble. You know it is. You drift along. You know, I have a little religion. So that when I die, I'll have a preacher there. Pray me into heaven. No, 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 no. That's right. This contented him. The Lord Jesus came into his life and contented him. He said, go on home. Let them know there what what I've done. If it's real, go home and let your brothers know about it. <laughs> That's the hard test. I knew it. I, I'd do the same thing. I had to go back to the place uh, where I caused so much trouble in the church. But, oh, what a joy it was. It'll content you. You know, uh, shortly after I received Christ as my Savior in California, I used to go down to a little mission. I never expected to be a preacher. I used to go down to this little mission and stand there and, and uh, preach there, sort of as the people walk down on the street, you know. And I was preaching there this night and pointing out on the chart some things and, uh, uh as i as i went down i said lord uh, give me somebody tonight that i can really introduce to jesus christ went back in behind the curtain i prayed there again and i get up and there was a fellow standing out there r- looking at some cartoons and so i offered him a gospel of John, He grunted and push away he'd ah, been drinking well to make a long story short i talked to him and gave him a gospel i said come in let's have a little word of prayer we went in and talked and he was hard as nails and i said well let's have a word of prayer and i prayed with him and he broke down god touched his heart and I had the joy of introducing him to Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going out of here. I'm going back and get it. I'm going to smash it. And he was gone. I said, uh-oh. There's another one gone. And uh, a few minutes he came back. He said, well, I did it. I said, you did what? Well, he said, I went back to my room and smashed the old whiskey bottle. And he said, I told my two pals, told I rumored what I did. And one of them laughed at I me mean, and said, good fella, good fella.'" I said, you really mean business? I want to see you next week down here. I want you to not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of the Bible. He was gone. Well, I thought, well, will he be there. I prayed all week about it, and I went down again the same uh, day of the week, next week, and wasn't there. No, Callahan didn't even show up. And uh, while I was out there on the platform preaching, who should I see coming up the street but uh, but this same man. Looked a little different, looked a little cleaner. And he had under his arm a big Bible, a church Bible. I don't know where in the world he got a great big Bible walking up the street. And I said, where in the world did you get that thing? Well, I said, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it. Wonderfully saved, not ashamed of the Bible and Jesus Christ. He was contented. And I followed him and heard about him and in Long Beach, California, wonderfully saved and standing for the Lord Jesus and had a job and going ahead for God. That's what you need. You need to be contented. You need to be conquered. You need to be convicted and trust him. Let him do for you what he did for us. Will you do that tonight? I hope you will. May we bow our heads in a word of prayer. Yeah was for you, the died. May I ask you just to bow your head there by your television set? I'm not asking you to join my church. You don't know what church I've wanted. I'm not in this for gain. But I know that when you trust this Savior I've been telling you about, he'll flood your heart with joy. Will you just bow your head there and invite him in now? Let him conquer you? Let him content you. Write me to Box 1 Philadelphia. I'd love to hear of it. He'll bless you. You'll find joy in life when you have him. May we pray. Our Father, bless thee. Oh, may there be a great host tonight, scattered far and wide over these United States, that say, yes to the Lord Jesus, and find the joy of being headed for heaven. We pray in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.
0: You've been listening to Percy Crawford and Youth on the March. Listen to Faith of Our Fathers each Saturday and Sunday to hear more great 20th century preachers.